correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we're going to talk about some RPGs, but before we get into that, we have podcast for the week, and the podcast for the week is OPcast, or Opcast. Yes, and I'm actually not sure which one it is because I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah, I, I would uh, assume it's Opcast or OPcast, but we're not quite sure. That is uh, Josh Heath's new podcast. Mm-hmm. This being uh, Josh Heath of Werewolf the Podcast, yes, which he still also does. Right, and this is another uh, White Wolf storyteller podcast mm-hmm. because it's about well, it's about the. Uh, all of the exalted world. Uh, what is that called? Aeon or whatever. It's the Trinity continuum. Line, That's it. Not the exalted line. Right. That's exalt cast. But I think there's a tie in there because if I'm not mistaken, Chaz, who's done a lot of work with the story told is part of this podcast as well, but I'm not a hundred percent certain on that. So don't quote me. Right. But yes, this is all about Aeon aberrant adventure and more. Um, yeah. All those Onyx Path, Trinity Continuum games, of which I own at least one, and I had not realized I owned it. I own quite a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't we go ahead and get into our podcast for the week? Er, no, we man, just did I am, that. I know, our, our <laughs> podcast topic for the week. Oh, our podcast topic for the week. There we go. Well, what are we going to talk about? Are you going to make me tell you again? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about boating today. Boating? Yeah. I've been on a boat. I, I was looking on Sea-Doo's website, and they now make a mini pontoon boat. Why? It is 21 inches, and it is a sport pontoon boat. 21 inches. Or 21 feet. Sorry, not inches. I can't okay. talk today. 21 feet. Okay. I was going to say, when you said a mini pontoon boat, I'm picturing like... A Zodiac with a deck on top of it. Yeah. And I'm well, going, well, why? I, I, mm, I couldn't tell you. They have a, they smaller ones. They have a 17-foot and they have an 18-foot. But the 21 I was looking at because I was like, this thing is weird. Okay. But it's a performance pontoon boat is how they're advertising it. Okay. So it has kayaks for pontoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's Although... not really what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, we were kind of tossing it around, and, and the uh, top... Words are hard. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, as is water if you hit it from a high enough distance. But anyway, um, the, the idea kind of came up about gaming on the water, if you will. And in, you know, that being games that are, so to speak, based, you know, water-based. And... Yeah, so this is your, you know, standard, like pirates or you know yeah but uh, even most fantasy games yeah um but i think a lot of pirate games really you have a little bit that happens on the water but a lot of it probably happens on ship or in port right right well and so like i'm not saying they're not water-based but that's you know there's a, a a a difference there too i think i think some of that well we can get into that in a minute. Well, why don't we get into it now? Because now's a good time to talk about it. Okay. Uh, I think some of that, though, is how you run a pirate game. So, like, True. it sounds like to you, to run a pirate story, your your players would be the full crew of that ship, right? Uh, to me, that's where my brain goes initially. Okay. So, to me, I look at my players as maybe the core five of that ship but there's a bunch of other people required to run a large sailing vessel. This is true. And so I'm creating sort of interpersonal and story beats around the crew getting along with the rest of the crew. Okay. 
so I have a ship full of a lot of NPCs and we can do like, depending on the type of story, if it's a true pirate story, then we're doing, you know, Richard stole from Bob, Bob stole from Sally, Sally stole from the captain and the captain wants his stuff back. So now you got to figure out who's got what and who's where and, you know, balancing, not getting everybody torqued off at the captain and not getting into a mutiny and not starting a fight. You know, all yeah. while simultaneously being on the ocean and dealing with that problem. True. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. And see, this is where, like, I don't know, and I'm just throwing this out there, you know, like, how much of that, though, aside from the fact that you're you're saying they're out on a boat and there's some things to deal with there, though, how much of that could you not do all the same elements, let's say, in like a wasteland hold post-apocalypse game. Of course, you could also turn it the other way around and say, why couldn't you do everything you do in a wasteland hold apocalypse game on a boat? Well, that's how you end up with Waterworld. Well, that's true. On the subject I, I, of bad Kevin Costner movies, I watched Postman this week. and Oh, you watched the worst of the two. Well, I've seen both of them before, but it had been a long time since I saw The Postman. And the thing is, is... I like Will Patton. Yeah. No, he's bad. He's bad, bad in that movie. Yes. Oh, he's, yes. He's a very bad man in that movie. And not in a good way. But, like, that whole movie is just, like, why? The best part is Tom Petty. They, uh, they, I, I listened to a podcast called Bad Movies Rule. And they have, they give out awards at the end of the podcast to every bad movie. And they invented an award for Will Patton in The Postman called The Trash Can Full of Dirt. <laughs> so it is the Will Patton Trash Can Full of Dirt Award uh, because that's the kind of performance he put in in that movie. Well. But yeah, there that movie is... is And it's hard to say because uh, Waterworld isn't a good movie, but that movie is the worst of those two. <laughs> <laughs> Although I also noticed Giovanni Ribisi was in it. Yeah, but Giovanni, I don't know if he was credited. If you look though. hard enough, I'm pretty sure Giovanni Ravici was in every movie in the 90s. Maybe. I'm pretty sure he was in the background of most 90s movies. And <laughs> I also found out, do you know that was the first film role for, and I forget the actor's name now, but the guy who played um, Gary Bertier in Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah, I did know that. Uh, you're, I can't remember his name either, but I know who you're talking about. I, I do remember seeing that. It's like Postman's not a bad movie. It's just like there's water like whole is... chunks of the story, the movie that don't need to be there, though. Well, there's whole chunks of the book that don't need to be there. So, well, I didn't ever read the book. So, I think the uh, I, I was kind of half obsessed with that world for a minute. And I think the best adaptation is the novelization of the movie because they cut the unnecessary bits, but add the necessary bits from the books that didn't make the cut. Okay. Okay. Now I, I've been on a post apocalyptic kick of late, and so that was part of the reason I I watched it. Yeah, and I, I kind <laughs> of like the the setup of the world, at yeah. least in part, because the what do you want to say, the forested wilderness is a little more what's the is right it? word? Relatable to me yeah. than yeah. than desert wasteland. Yeah. And I would argue it's equally as dangerous. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I know you've been on a like a pretty terrible, well, not terrible, but pretty uh, aggressive post-apocalyptic kick recently. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to give you. I watched uh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road the other day. Well, see, I, I, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen the original Mad Max. I have. And so I am extremely annoyed that it is currently locked into tiers of subscription that I don't have on assorted streaming services. That's fair. That's fair. I can watch Road Warrior and Fury Road. I don't know about Beyond Thunderdome, but I lived through the 90s when it was on TNT three times a month. So... Yeah, that's fair. But anyway. Yeah, so we were talking games. about water... Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about boating. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I I look at it and sort of go, what I'm telling, there's a healthy balance between telling pirate stories on land, pirate stories on ship, and pirate stories 
en route, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, every almost every pirate vessel is a shipping vessel, right? Mm-hmm. So treat them like treat them like truckers, right? Okay, makes sense. Different islands are sort of truck stops and refills, and you know, you get into scraps, you get into fights. And then you're underway and you might be fighting with your, you know, fighting with your other driver or your, you know, Smokey and the Bandit fought back and forth periodically throughout those movies, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's all this interpersonal conflict. And there's a lot of, but the other thing is, is that it's difficult to drive the ship. And I think that's, that has to be brought across, but it can't be done annoyingly. You can't over, it can't overstay its welcome. And I think maybe that's the core of where, if you want to call it water-based games, really gets to is that, in, and especially in the context of the use of like a pirate game or a, a, a ship game, is you have the ship. The ship has to be driven. And now, if you're, you're making driving the ship any part of the game, either everyone has to be involved with driving the ship, or it's now a side game for one or two people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think everybody has to be involved in running the ship. I I think you have to very carefully and very gingerly, I might add, every player character needs to be involved in running the ship in some way or another. Yeah. So you you may have like one player character might be the navigations officer. Well, their job is to figure out if you're headed in the right direction and maintaining course while shenanigans are going on. Somebody might be somebody might be in charge of like that the navigations person's usually up in the crow's nest so you're dealing a little bit with also don't fall out of that thing right like mm-hmm. somebody's dealing with manning the cannons making sure that they're firing properly uh making sure that they're loaded not necessarily loading the cannons i think you would have npcs doing that but you would be making sure they're getting fired making sure they're being loaded properly as a way to you know because if that goes backwards, you know, heaven forbid, it, and it happened frequently, a cannon goes off unexpectedly or backfires in some way or another, right? Yeah. But you, I think you have to keep the player characters involved in the story and in the action while simultaneously not making... I, I don't mean to say not making them directly involved, but making them in charge of a group of people makes that a better more pleasurable experience it doesn't wear out the welcome as much when it's like oh well we're in another we're in another combat in the water so we gotta you know i gotta go down and shoot the cannons and yeah i but see like i think there's there's another element to that that or to to a water-based campaign shall we say that you know goes beyond running a ship and and i don't know i mean there's there's other things like Boarding, which is like close combat, which is something that a lot of people don't think about. Or there's weather elements, which weather elements can throw you into the water. And being in the water too long is, you know, death, just period. Like there's no coming back from, you can only tread water for so long. And once you're done treading water, you just drown unless you have something you're holding on to. True. In the case of like Cursed Captains of Cthulhu, you add a little bit of that. Lovecraftian stuff mm-hmm. and it it can really make or break that type of game you know yeah well I think that that to me adding that and and plus you know I mean it came from beneath the sea mm-hmm. that, that that ties into you know the mythos in general that you know a lot of it is you know sleeping beneath the oceans and whatever but I think that to me is kind of where the idea of, of playing on or in the water is, is really intriguing because I'll, I'll just say I have always had a minor fascination with Marine based nature documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a kid, I remember watching Jacques Cousteau on PBS and I mean, look, the real oceans are a weird place full of lots and lots of amazing and freaky and scary stuff. So why the heck couldn't you just use that and turn it up in a game? Other than the fact that even with as much as we know from nature, there's so much we don't know. 
Well, and then, you know, you have movies like Jaws. Mm -hmm. Admit it. How fun would it be to play a Jaws RPG? I think Deep Blue Sea makes a better RPG than Jaws. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have that, like, environmental horror type thing. Like, Jaws is a great movie, but I don't know how well it translates to an RPG in and of itself, just because it doesn't take much for everyone to realize what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But what I'm getting at is, like, the idea of, like, a, a a horror game in the water, maybe not necessarily on, like, a pirate ship or anything, but in a smaller vessel where you're dealing with those environmental hazards. Because the ocean is, um, I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> but, well, I think from that, in that light, though, you're right. It automatically turns up the isolation element. Yeah, you're, you know... In like Deep Blue Sea or or um, what's that forty seven meters down or whatever that movie was where they were trapped in the shark cage, like you can do stories like that and really mess with the players and really get under their skin because the ocean is vast and unknown, mm -hmm. and like the ocean and space are sort of, in my opinion, very very similar settings. Right, you could run a space based campaign that is vast and unknown just as much as you can run an ocean-based campaign and yet space doesn't feel as weird as underwater well in a way like you know what i'm saying like like we look at star wars and okay i but i i don't look at star wars when i think of that that's not what i look at i well, look at like alien okay i look at i look at movies like um alien or any of the you know alien derivative type movies where it's a a thing on a spaceship or I look at something like as terrible as it is the, the doom movie <laughs> where, you know, they accidentally accessed hell through Mars. Like that that's alien and weird and spacey and cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just my perception of it, but that's my perception of it. Well, but I mean, I I'm just thinking in, in terms of space versus undersea, so to speak, I mean, we can both just rattle off space-based RPG after space-based RPG, and yet there are very, very few underwater-based RPGs. There's a fair number that have underwater information in them. Yeah, an element. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't. I think it is maybe a, a corner of the market that isn't as well served, but I think it's also a little bit of... A little bit of that, I wonder, is popularity, right? Mm -hmm. And and I, I we don't talk about popularity a lot because you know that's sort of a poor excuse for why a thing you like doesn't get you know made. <laughs> but it, it's the truth that like some things have to be profitable in order to exist, and certain water type, certain water based games are profitable, and that's why they exist. And certain types don't, and that's because either Somebody hasn't had the thought, which is, I don't want to say highly unlikely, but possible, or they've tried it and it just didn't go anywhere. It didn't take off like they wanted it to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know. I mean, because obviously, you know, there's there's naval rules for Dungeons and Dragons. There's numerous undersea races. Um, I know I have somewhere over here next to me, I have a Rift's Underseas book from back in the 90s, you know, but. Yeah, I, 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 part of me just wonders why that is. You know, like you said, is it, is it just a, but like even if, if you go with movies, you know, there's a lot of on the water movies, not too many, not that many under the water movies. I Speaking think of underwater I, movies that would be a fun scenario to play, though, how about something along the lines of Hunt for Red October? Yeah, that would be a ton of fun. I think as far as underwater movies, though, it, and I can talk to movies a little bit more than, RPGs on this particular subject. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's made a movie in water is had major, major, major problems with it. <laughs> the only person that's been able to make a successful movie in water and do it sort of without major incident has been James Cameron with Titanic. Mm -hmm. Every movie shoot that consists of like a watery, you know, 
we're going to spend a lot of our time underwater and we're going to do a lot of time doing this. And it's all been a massive disaster. <laughs> well, I guess maybe some of that just speaks to the idea, though, that you, you can do space with special effects. Yeah. Well, water underwater, is hard to... you got it yeah. there. <laughs> but yeah, no, Hunt for Red October would be a fun one. But at the same time, I could tell that same story in space and it wouldn't feel too far different from, you know. No. You could tell that same story in underwater and it wouldn't be too far different. Like that's a, when you start getting into underwater and especially like underwater combat and underwater uh, movement, vessels, all that fun stuff, you're talking about basically the same stuff as a spaceship. You're talking about three dimensional movement. You're talking about holding oxygen. (laughs) Like, yeah. Damage that could, you know. Yeah. Hull breach is catastrophic. Yeah, it, it's it's all the same idea. Uh, going out is a you know major event and a big to do. Yeah, you're you're talking about just basically the same things, just ones in space and ones not. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, it it just I don't know. Like I said, it for me it it and I get yeah. It's some of it's the some of it's the fact that there are things in the water that can get you that you know, we don't really know a lot about, or we as lay people don't know a lot about, because I'm sure there's a lot of marine biologists that know exactly what's in the water, and they're like, okay, yeah, well, I feel comfortable, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's, I was, you know, like I said, I was watching Shark Week stuff, because I guess it's Shark Week, I don't know, that's what happened to pop up when I turned on the Discovery app. It usually is the week of my birthday, so. Oh, okay, well then, happy birthday whenever that happens. (laughs) But um, they were diving with blue and mako sharks. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were actually in the water, but they did get film of what they believed to be an approximately 14-foot mako shark. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> well, I guess that's bordering on the largest uh, specimen ever documented on film. Yeah, I... I, I... I could understand that, but I've always heard stories of... So, I could tell you a little bit about mako sharks, because I know a little bit about mako sharks. Okay. Um, Part of the reason why that is such a big deal is because it used to be legal to hunt and, well, predatory fish for mako sharks. And basically, what happened with the buffalo happened with the sharks is that we hunted them to almost extinction. And somebody had the forethought to go, no, you need to stop because you're about to kill them all. And so they stopped mako shark hunting for a long time. And it was believed that because they stopped mako shark hunting for such a long time, that it would produce some of the largest mako sharks ever recorded. Because that's typically what happens when you just cut a major predator out of the food chain like that. Yeah. No, that's fair. It doesn't shock me to hear that, but that's very cool. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that that population's coming back. That's a weird tangent. I, I don't know why. I, I learned that a long time ago because I am I, I like to fish, and so I've been sort of half obsessed with like sea fishing because me and my dad used to go when we would go on vacation. <laughs> well, the one thing that, that I've learned, and I guess I had just never thought of it, the I'm going to call it the upper Atlantic, not the full on North Atlantic mm-hmm. is actually a major shark habitat. Yeah. Like, you know, the other thing that the thing that came on after the thing that I was watching about the Mako sharks was them talking about the actual, if you want to call it shark problems that they're having currently up in new England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New England's having legitimate shark problems has to do also, you know, there's a lot of talk that it has to do with, the seal population coming back because they were protected. And now there's a whole lot of seals and sharks like to eat seals. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I mean, it, it, it all ties together, but like, it just, you know, like at the same point, you know, how fun would it be to play, you know, it maybe not a long, long game, but I mean, sharks are amazing, yes. amazing animals. Yeah. That's funny story. That's going to be my next tattoo. i'm getting either a shark or a shark tooth somewhere that's the next one cool but yeah no sharks are amazing creatures and it's really awesome to learn about them it's hard to say what kind of story you could you know what i mean like you could play as a band of sharks or 
You could play against a band of sharks. It's it's one of those things where you just sort of have to you would have to play with it and figure out what you want to do and you'd have to find the right game to do what you want to do in. Yeah. I don't have I have no idea. I have no recommendations to tell you what you could run that in. Right? I wonder like, maybe 50 fathoms for um Savage Worlds? Possibly. I mean like that's that's a big probably for me, but like we both go to Genesis a lot, but there'd be a lot of work involved to make that like, cause I don't know of any underwater content that's out there for Genesis, unless there's some stuff you could pull from some of the star Wars. Yeah. I, but I don't know if any of that made it into, because of, you know, weird licensing eras and all that crap. I 50 fathoms and savage worlds seems like maybe a good jump off point. I mean, I know yeah. there are a couple of aquatic, based games out there i was gonna save at least one of them for game of the week but um i i really don't know personally like i i never call it blind spot on my end but i never looked into it (laughs) i wonder i wonder if you could take something just going as what you were saying about like playing as as a band of sharks wonder if you could take something like a teenage mutant ninja turtles or one of the tributes etc to that you know mutants in the now um oh, there's another savage world one that i the big apple sewer samurai yeah probably if you wanted to play what do you want to say um anthropomorphic sharks but just stay in the water oh you're breaking my heart play some land sharks jabberjaw yeah I gotta play land shark <laughs> land shark love that stuff growing up as a kid I mean, but well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that. So, I mean, but no, yeah, I, I get what you're coming from. It's like maybe just play anthropomorphized sharks, but in the water. I, I really don't have a definitive, I don't know, on my end, I just don't have a good answer to that. I think that's something that if you really want to play that, there probably exists a game that you could do it in. I would, you would have to do a little bit of digging. There's a call out. Eh? Anyone has, has knows of something. Come yeah. give us a shout out on the Discord. Yeah, come link in the show notes. Come tell me about it, and I'll yeah, we'll absolutely update it to add it to the link in the show notes. Because if this is something you want to run, yeah, or, I mean, you know, I know we've got a few game designer friends out there. If any of you have come across anything, by or all means, or if you're wanting to make something, I would yeah. like a little bit of royalties from this idea. <laughs> hey, we suggested something, and you did it. You owe us money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if only it were that easy, right? I right. I wish. I wish making money was easy. Yeah, but yeah, like playing in an underwater because I think some of it too is it's harder to relate to. I think mm-hmm. you know just because there's so much stuff that. What do you want to say? Even, but see when you when to making that argument, then I go to but the amount of people who you know we we have experienced it via television or movies. Well, a whole lot more people have been in the water and at least been underwater than have been anywhere close to actual space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we've most of us anyway have been in a body of water and been under the surface. <laughs> yeah, you know, be it a lake, a swimming pool, the ocean, whatever. And so we've actually got, so to speak, more experience with it. You know, most of us have probably gone fishing more than once. But none of us have ever been to space, and yet there's a zillion space role-playing games out there. Yeah, but I think, I, I don't know, I think we've all consumed enough media to understand how to tell a space story. <laughs> or or is it the fact that because it's space, everyone kind of admits they really don't know, so we just make it what we want it to be? Could be. And that <laughs> same applies for, I mean, honestly, the same applies for, for ocean, for water. I mean, yeah, I don't see why not. You could, you know, I remember actually years and years ago, and this would have been probably, and I don't sure I've long since lost whatever I wrote down for it. Did you ever read, um, Peter Benchley wrote another book called, uh, I believe it was called Great White. Yes. I used that once. I read something. it. I, it's been a long time. Oh, man. it's been I ages since I read it too. about that. That's a, a cool seed kernel if anyone out there is, you know, looking for that kind of thing. Yeah. 
No, there's lots of seeds. There's lots of ideas. We were talking about novelizations of movies a little bit ago. Go read the Jaws novelization. Mm -hmm. That'll give you some cool ideas. The Jaws novelization actually gets into some stuff that they, like, Spielberg wanted in the movie, but just didn't put in there for money reasons. Well, eventually, now, are, are you talking the, because I'm assuming it was originally a novel. That's where Peter Benchley's name ties into it. But are you saying there was also a, a novelization of the movie as well? Yes, there is a novelization of the Jaws movie. Okay. Those are weird reads that I, I had a long summer a couple of years ago where I got into novelizations of films and novelizations of films adapted off of novels, right? See, that's just bizarre to me. So, like, there's a Blade Runner novelization. <laughs> it's not New Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. It's the Blade Runner novelization. So it's a book based on a movie based on a book. Yes. <laughs> it's a freaky world. And <laughs> it, it's definitely something. Some of those are really worth checking out. And some of those are absolutely not. And then you have books like, and look, uh, the man's dead and he may, wrote some great books. But I remember reading The Lost World and going, my God, they wrote this just so they could make another freaking movie. Oh, they did. He admitted to that before. He admitted to that. He was like, no, I I wrote The Lost World so they can make another... I think he would never admit it, but that one feels the less of the... That one feels the least Crichton, and I wonder how much of that book he actually wrote. Well, but he's such a varied author, though. I know, but he has a very distinct... You read enough of him, you know you, he has a very distinct feeling. Yeah, I've read uh, four or five of his books, I think. Um, I read one that was actually, I have it, a copy somewhere, that was actually before he was writing as Michael Crichton. Yeah. But he also wrote things like Rising Sun. Yeah. Which just, just feels very departed to me. Yeah. Crichton was a very cool author. Oh, yeah. I'm not arguing that. I just, I don't but. know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm not making any bold statements here. Please don't come after me. I'm just <laughs> just saying that one felt a little eh. No, I, Lost World as a novel was, was very flat, and I'm not a big fan of the movie either, to be honest. No. Hot take? I think that first, I think that first Jurassic Park movie is good. <laughs> I like I the first one. I kind of like three. I like the first one. I don't hate the second one. And then everything after that, I could just absolutely leave in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Jurassic world, those two, and I haven't seen the new one yet. It feels like just trying to rehash the original and maybe take it a step further. Yeah. Well, it feels like somebody watched Jurassic park and was like, you know, we could make money off of this again. You will that too uh <laughs> but i i i really i like i i used to like chris pratt <laughs> i should say that i used to like chris pratt i am uh beyond over chris pratt at this point yeah, fair enough and, and yeah i just i'm not not a fan of the jurassic park movies like i like the first one because it was and it's it's absolutely cool and a, a very very awesome cinematic like that movie's graphics still hold up today. It's still impressive to see those dinosaurs. Like that is, it's still and that cool. Movie's the same age as you. I well, yeah, yeah, ninety three, and but it's everything after Jurassic Park. I just sort of go, yeah, I don't need it. Uh, I, <laughs> this was a perfect like self contained story. I really don't need any more of it. See, like to me, Jurassic Park, the, the Lost World is eh. And if you put the the little intro bit about the yacht from yeah. Lost World onto the front of Jurassic Park 3, it works without the rest of the Lost World in there. Right. You know what's a good show? Since we're talking about dino dinosaurs and underwater. Uh -huh. <laughs> Since we're talking about dinosaurs and underwater. Uh -huh. uh, Land of the Lost. <laughs> okay. Or not Land of the Lost. What's the other one? Because um, Land of the Lost was the comedy one. There's the other one that's the same thing, but just hold on. Googling in process. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Well, on the subject of 
And since we've gone there, we'll just keep going there. Have you seen any of, and I know art-wise it's not your thing at all, but the Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous on Netflix? I have watched little bits of that. It's actually kind of, it would be a heck of an RPG setting, though. Yeah, it would. It would be kind of fun. I mean, like, it's, it's... It's it's really dark for a kid's show. <laughs> it kind of is, but it, I mean, I haven't seen the new season yet. I think season five just came out. I, every clip I've seen of it is like, this is like really dark for a kid's show, but at the same time, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> oh, I, I've enjoyed it. Let's put it that way. And, yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm not the target audience for it. No, but I mean, I'm also pretty sure I'm not the target audience for Bluey. But I'm enjoying that, by the way, to our audience. If you haven't checked out Bluey, it's a really good, like, family drama. It's a kid's show made for adults. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Okay. It's, like, it's it's a little kid's show that is made so that when the adults are sitting, you know, watching the little kid watch the TV show, they're not absolutely bored out of their mind. Aha. And it has some really phenomenal characters. Fair enough. Um, it's also Australian, so, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, no, I've seen clips of camp, Creta- uh, crustaceous or Creta- I, I can't say that. Cretaceous. Cretaceous. That's it. And it looks really good. Okay. Now there you go. There's the underwater version. Camp crustaceous. <laughs> Just SpongeBob. SpongeBob or the, you know, the, the, the land of the giant lobsters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I have this weird idea rattling around the back of my head has been for a while to run this sort of twisted pirate game where like the PCs get cursed into some sort of weird upside down bikini bottom land. Yeah. Yeah. I just had that thought myself. I'm sitting here. I'm like, uh, what about a horror game? That's just SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they get this giant sea sponge that just keeps following them around for no explainable reason. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> <laughs> you thought Corey Taylor's version was scary. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I love that, dude. Every now and again, I turn around. yellow and porous as he. Every now and again, I turn around and I'm like, what's Slipknot doing? And I see Corey Taylor. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's what Slipknot's doing. Oh, my. Yeah. So this has been a little bit of a weird ramble, hasn't it? Hey, whatever. got to do what we got to do we're we're giving people ideas that's our job right that's that's our goal in life we need to make that an entire episode one of these times (laughs) just us rambling off ideas for games oh gosh yeah but then what would we do to fill the time in the regular episodes (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure we can still ramble off more ideas for games But yeah, no, that, yeah, well, you know, but like, like you said, you know, there's Curse Captains Cthulhu, which I think the pledge manager is still open for. Actually, it's the, I know I've got some beta stuff, but I haven't really looked into it a whole lot because I've got enough other stuff on my plate that I generally don't read the pre-release betas that much, but there's that, you know, there's a few other games that, that have been on my radar, but no, and see, I love both the book and the movie for Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. So now you're making me think about what I could do that with. Could do that in Star Wars. Could do that in Star Wars. Could do it in the, Genesis but, proper. But there's there's the viewports on spaceships, and that takes half the fun away because you can see and tell what it is. Do it. It jam the viewports. Like it's it's figure out a reason why. Cloaking. Figure out a reason why they don't have visual. Like it, it's not. I don't know. You could do it with Star Trek pretty easily. Yeah. It it's just you just gotta. That's one of those things where it's that's an easy fix. You just gotta sort of play with it a little bit. Yeah, you just gotta figure out how to how to fix it. But it's it's not it's not as much of a challenge as a, a lot of other things. Right, because then you already have the three D maneuver and the three D space stuff figured out. And the thing is, if if you do that one, we'll just say in a submarine, everyone's gonna realize what you're trying to do, which is a good and a bad thing, right? Yeah, you're going to have somebody trying to be Sean Connery, and it's not going to work, because <laughs> nobody can be Sean Connery, especially not 90 Sean Connery. Yeah, the cast of that movie was so good, though. Yeah. Sean Connery, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Tim Curry. I forget that Tim Curry's in that movie. Oh. I don't know how I forget that Tim Curry's in that movie, but I always do. Every time I'm reminded of him, I'm like, 
oh, that's right, he is. <laughs> and and I'm sorry, but since we've got on movie tangents a bit, Alec Baldwin is the best Jack Ryan. Um, who's the other Jack Ryan? Uh, Ben Affleck, Harrison Ford. I'm not sure who all else has played him. But what really screws it up is that in novel order, Patriot Games happens before Hunt for Red October, and then Clear and Present Danger comes after it. Yeah, I could see. I could see how you could say that Alec Baldwin's the best Jack Ryan. I'm not saying Alec Baldwin's a great actor. Just I'm in, I I I I got confused because I forgot that's I forgot that it's the same character. I've been watching the Jack Ryan TV show on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I think that's Jack Junior though. I haven't watched that yet. I don't know, but John Krasinski is Jack Ryan, and oh, it's so good casting. Oh, he's such a great actor. But yeah, no, I I because I, they made I think five movies that are in well now six movies that are in that that novel series. Because I think I saw that they, um, and I've lost the, um, yeah, because they did Hunt for Red, o- they did Patriot Games, Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger, Some of All Fears, and then didn't they just release, um, oh, what the heck, Without Remorse? Probably. My goodness, I do not follow any of those uh, Tom Clancy novels. <laughs> oh, see, I, I was majorly into those in my teens and, well, late teens and 20s. I I never could get into them. And I I had a stint recently where I was trying to read them again and I just was like I can't do this. I like this does not do anything for me. Yeah, I I get it. It's it's like any other thing, right? There's there's elements of Clancy that some people find like his attention to technical detail is very very boring for some people. See, that wasn't the problem I had with it. It's all his rah rah patriotism stuff that I don't. Well, yeah, that too. But not that I not that I have a problem with that. It's just that for whatever reason, when it comes to his novels, it feels very I don't know, almost feels too forced. Fair, but yeah, that's I just all of those Clancy. Like, I, if I watch a movie and I'm like, it's based on a Tom Clancy mo- novel, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm not going to read the novel. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Hunt for Red October is, is very, very good. And in my opinion, one of the better film adaptations of a novel. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think Hunt for Red October is fantastic. I I, I really do. But, and that, that brings us back underwater where we started. Yep. Well, why don't we go ahead and end underwater? (laughs) Yes. We've had underwater movie night. And let's move it. <laughs> I think you found the name of the episode. There we go. <laughs> I almost titled, and actually the file name of the last one is Peanut Butter Jalapeno and Mustard Sandwich I don't, in a new hat. I didn't know what. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't name it that. <laughs> like that's, that's what's going to pop up at the end of the page. But uh, yeah, with all that, why don't we go ahead and move into Game of the Week? Woohoo! Game of the Week! All right. Would you like to go first this week, Steve? I can go first. Okay. Um, I have two, and they're both underwater. So if you take one, I still have one. <laughs> I don't have one that's underwater. I just picked one that looked like a lot of fun and actually okay. is um is a very, you know, happy thing for me. Oh, okay. So Steve's happy time game of the week. Yes, is... Steve's happy time. No, I uh, I picked the Army of Darkness tabletop rpg oh i actually did not know such a thing existed yeah it is it's appears to be officially licensed army of darkness tabletop rpg was released in 2005 groovy there's currently a bundle with it and two expansions so one Mm -hmm. is uh army of darkness hail to the queen and the other one is army of darkness the king is dead long live the queen and yeah, just cool stuff, man. I, I always loved Army of Darkness, but to find out there's a tabletop RPG, I kind of really want to play it. And at the same time, I don't know how that would play at all. Because um, it goes back to the, we've talked about, I have trouble grab, wrapping my head around single character IPs being multi-character adventures. Right. <laughs> and at what point does it either become you trying to reenact the movie or trying 
does it become, and not that this wouldn't be fun, especially as a one shot, but does it become a one upping a bunch of the gags from the movie? Yeah, I, I don't think I would do. I don't think I would do that personally, just because, man, I, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Fair. Not like, and this is the weird part. Like, I love Evil Dead. I, Army of Darkness is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's been a long time since I watched it. So good. I, I showed it to my girlfriend the one day and she was like, she always complains because she says all my movies are from the 80s. And I'm like, that's when they made the best movies. Like, <laughs> but um, we watched it. She's like, this is funny. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I told her, I'm like, I'm watching a horror movie. She's like, oh, I don't like horror movies. I'm like, you'll really like this one. <laughs> Make her watch Lake Placid. That's also a very fun horror movie. Yeah, I don't think she could handle Lake Placid, though. Keeps getting heads thrown at me. Yeah. Make her watch Anaconda. That's a better funny horror. <laughs> no, it's but but it's it, it's more horror and less funny. I don't know. Have you watched Anaconda recently? Not recently. I'm trying to erase it from my memory uh, bank. Fair enough. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Actually, well, the second one is even worse, but Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I get it, right? But it you get like There's a lot of holes in it. Owen Wilson pre-nose job where where like for me, like Placid is kind of like the Princess Bride, mm-hmm. and that it, it's kind of like they were intentionally making sort of a bad movie. I feel like they were spoofing on those type of movies. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's my game of the week: is Army of Darkness, the tabletop RPG. Before we get into another movie conversation, <laughs> well, I'm going to go my my, and I, I'm going to cheat and double pick here, but um, that's because one of them isn't actually out yet, so. The first one I'm going to bring up because, well, it's what I found when um, I was looking for games that were in a watery setting is a game called Polaris, which is actually a French game that has been translated into English. And it's set in a post-apocalyptic world where everyone has moved under the ocean. Also happens to be on sale for like another couple weeks on drive through and so the PDF is only like $7.50 for the core book in English. But there's a free quick start guide. There's uh, several supplements. And again, I haven't seen this game in person, but it sounds really interesting. And it got nominated for a bunch of stuff in the Ennies in 2017. Amongst them, best interior art, best production value, best setting. You know, so I mean... I'm going to guess it's a visually stunning product, if nothing else. Right. And speaking of any's, um, are the any's voting still going to be going on when this episode drops? I don't, I don't, I know. don't know. I don't know when they close. Okay. Uh, they if they are, be. if they are, go vote for Haunted West. <laughs> yes. 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 That's a heck of a game. That's a heck of a game. And I feel absolutely terrible because I want to play a cowboy game, but I don't want to read it. <laughs> Again, I don't want to read it again. I should say I've read it once. <laughs> I love it. It's great, Chris. I just I would need to read the whole thing again to really comprehend. It's a heavy read, and so much of what makes it heavy is the history, not the game. But that's so much a part of what it is. You know, like it wouldn't be the same product without all that. Yeah. No, I, I it's fantastic. I love it. I uh I've just been going through some stuff and I don't know. I have the energy to learn a whole new system right now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's not a, well, the system to me feels crunchier when I read it than I think it'll play at the table by a good margin. But well, that's a whole other debate. Multiple systems in there too, though. Yes. There's three or four different systems, including a powered by the apocalypse hack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no haunted West. Fantastic stuff. Um, go, go get, go read, check out Haunted West. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want any of m- me saying what I've said to be it like, oh, well, Steve didn't want to read it. No, Steve loves it. Steve just has life shit going on. Look, it, it, to, to be fair, it's an 800 page core book. Yeah. It's a, it's a tome. It's fantastic though. <laughs> but it is amazing. And also, by the way, uh, Artalsorian has stepped up and is helping them with distribution. So yes, much easier yes. to get at most of your friendly local game shops. 
great. I hope they get him into Barnes and Nobles. I'd love to see Haunted West on a Barnes and Nobles. Oh show. my gosh. I, I would love to see that. <laughs> that's that's my hope for that game. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, my, my first game of the week is, is again, it's called Polaris. Um, P-O-L-A-R-I-S. And at least in the uh like the stylized stuff, the the O is actually an Omega symbol. But also because we were talking about aquatic games and it's really the only other one I know, there's a game out there and it was successfully quick-started a while ago, or quick-started, kick-started. And you can also get on their website a quick-start guide. It's a game called Descent into Midnight, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game that is all about... Well, you take on the role of alien psionic creatures under the sea. It's a little bit weird, but it's really cool. One of the guys behind it, he's actually the concept lead. It's a guy named Rich Howard, who does a bunch of things, but amongst other things, has been a professional marine biologist in his career. So, you know, there's a lot of elements of actual undersea stuff in this it's not just all made up so check that out too it's called descent into midnight website for that one is descentintomidnight.com. yeah well with all of that as always links to everything are in the show notes um facebook twitter discord uh twitch tiktok um yeah twitch is down for the time being i know we that last episode we recorded it was um we'd used twitch streamed it I'm not ready to do that again quite yet. It'll probably be a once a month thing until I can get everything ironed out. Then we'll go to a more steady streaming schedule. Mm -hmm. Just because it's, for me right now, it's just getting everything dialed in for my computer to make sure that it still works. Yeah, and especially considering, like, I run the audio feed of the podcast from my end, so you got to pull audio for that there, and it just does weird things. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it um on on Steve's side, he's basically doing our local recording. <laughs> on my end, I'm running the Twitch stream, and my computer is also simultaneously dying while doing so. So, uh-huh. um, I just need to do some work to it and get things figured out. But, anyways, but yeah, keep an eye out for that stuff. We want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at me and Steve RPG at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. for the cigar cigar 20 bucks dog you gotta go down the street to the store and buy that